Hi, today we'll be talking about life processes. Life processes are required for the maintenance and to prevent damage and breakdown of any organism. Life processes need energy. Nutrition is the process of transferring a source of energy from outside the body which of an organism which we call food to the inside of the body. Most nutritional processes are oxidizing and reducing reactions or they are normally called as redox reactions. The process of acquiring oxygen from outside the body and to use it in the breakdown of food sources is called respiration. In nutrition, we have three main modes of nutrition. Autotrophs. Autotrophs basically stands for automatic nutrition. Green plants and bacteria come under the category of autotrophs. These organisms have a capability of producing their own food or they can synthesize their own energy through chemical processes. Heterotrophs are heterotrophs basically consist of animals and fungi. Parasite can also be a type of heterotroph. Heterotrophic nutrition primarily depends on autotrophs and other heterotrophs. Autotrophic nutrition. In autotrophic nutrition, carbon and energy requirements are met by a process called photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is defined as the process of acquiring substances from external environment and converting them into stored forms of energy. This is undertaken by green plants and fungi. The reaction for photosynthesis is carbon dioxide plus water in the presence of sunlight and chlorophyll gives carbon dioxide carbohydrates plus oxygen. Carbohydrates are stored in the form of starch. Uh, chemically, the reaction would be 6CO2 plus 6H2O in the presence of chlorophyll and sunlight gives C6H12O6 plus 6O2. C6H12O6 is the chemical formula of glucose. Photosynthesis occurs in three main processes. The first process is the absorption of sun sunlight or light energy by a pigment called as chlorophyll. The second process is the conversion of light energy into chemical energy and splitting of water molecules into hydrogen and oxygen. The last and the third process is the reduction of carbon, carbon dioxide to carbohydrates. What is stomata? Stomata is tiny pores present on the undersurface of the leaves. Massive amounts of gaseous exchange take place in the leaves for photosynthesis. Once the amount of water and the amount of gas is acquired by the autotroph. These pores close to avoid loss of water. Guard cells are certain cells surrounding the stomata which control the opening and the closing. Apart from carbohydrates stored in the form of starch, the other materials required for autotrophs to function and prevent breakdown are nitrogen, phosphorus, iron and magnesium. These Ingredients or these nutrients are normally absorbed from the soil in forms of nitrates and nitrites. Heterotrophic nutrition. The main three factors on which heterotrophic nutrition depends on is the type of organism, the availability of nutrition and the mode of obtaining nutrition. Before we look at heterotrophs in greater detail, we are going to learn about parasites. Parasites are organisms that obtain their nutrition through a host without killing the host plant or the animal. The five parasites that we you have to remember is cuscuta, ticks, lice, leeches, and tapeworms. When we come to heterotrophic nutrition, most single cellular or unicellular organisms like amoeba 
absorb their food or their source of energy by the whole surface amoeba has finger like structures called villi and it uses its pseudopodia or its fake feet to absorb the food and it diffuses it in the cytoplasm and the waste is thrown out on the other hand paramecium has a definite shape and structure humans are heterotrophic organisms when we come to nutrition with respect to human beings one of the main organs is the alimentary canal alimentary canal is a food passage which extends from the mouth to the anus the fluid so nutrition starts at the mouth or where we intake food the fluid secreted by the salivary glands is called salivary amylase the food the way nutrition occurs in human beings is that the food is absorbed by the alimentary canal so it is broken into smaller molecules and then absorbed the breaking down and the absorption is mostly done by biological catalysts known as enzymes salivary amylase is an enzyme that breaks down starch to simple sugars peristaltic movement is the constant contraction and expansion which happens rhythmically in order to push the food through the digestive canal the esophagus is the passage of food from the mouth to the stomach the stomach is a large organ that expands when food enters it the muscular walls of the stomach help in digestion the stomach contains gastric glands gastric glands secrete three main main components hydrochloric acid pepsin and mucus hcl or hydrochloric acid provides the acid medium for pepsin pepsin is an enzyme that digests proteins or that breaks down proteins into smaller parts since hcl has an a ph of about 1 or 2 which is very strong for our stomach wall mucus protects the stomach wall from corrosion when acidity occurs in a human being that means that um, there is an excess of hcl in the human being system the exit of the food from stomach is controlled by something called a sphincter muscle this releases the food into into the small intestine which is the longest part of the alimentary canal The small intestine is responsible for the digestion of carbohydrates, proteins and fats. The small intestine is influenced by secretions from the liver and the pancreas. The bile which is in the liver produces a basic medium. Pancreas produces pancreatic juices which need the basic medium. The two enzymes produced by uh, the pancreas is trypsin and lipase. Trypsin helps in the digestion of proteins and lipase helps in the digestion of fats. A small hint or a small trick would be every enzyme that ends with ASE digests fats or starch and every enzyme that ends with SIN digests proteins. Fats are large globules where and bile breaks fats into smaller globules using its basic medium proteins are converted into amino acids carbohydrates are converted into glucose and fats are converted into fatty acids and glycerol the small intestine is lined with a villi which is finger like structure the unabsorbed food is sent into the large intestine and the rest of the material is removed from the body through the anus now we're going to talk about respiration respiration in every organism is the breakdown of a six carbon molecule to a three carbon molecule that's the first step of respiration this process takes place in the cytoplasm of the cell the six carbon molecule is none other than glucose and the three carbon molecule is called pyruvate pyruvate is then broken down into ethanol 
or carbon dioxide or lactic acid based on the availability of oxygen. The process that takes place in the absence of oxygen is called anaerobic respiration and the process that takes place in the presence of oxygen is called aerobic respiration. In the NCRT, there is a flowchart. Um, you can refer to the flowchart for that, uh, for this, because it's make it easier. Glucose is converted to pyruvate. This is common for every organism. In the absence of O2 in molecules like yeast or in organisms like yeast, pyruvate is converted to ethanol plus carbon dioxide plus energy. In the lack of oxygen, in, which is in muscle cells, pyruvate is converted to lactic acid plus energy. In the presence of oxygen in the mitochondria, pyruvate is converted to CO2 plus H2O plus energy. The energy in cellular respiration is used to synthesize ATP or adenosine triphosphate in the mitochondria. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. This is used to fuel all other cellular activities. Plants during the day, they undergo photosynthesis and they release O2. Plants during the night undergo respiration and they release CO2. This is probably why you heard of the saying of not to go sleep under a tree during night because the CO2 release is much higher than the O2 release, whereas humans don't stop respiring during the night. Now we're going to talk about respiration in human beings. Air is taken in through the nose. This air is filtered by fine nose hairs which are lined with mucus. This then passes through the throat and goes through the lungs. The throat is lined with rings of cartilage so that the air passage does not collapse. The lungs are divided into smaller and smaller tubes and terminate in balloon-like structures called alveoli. Alveoli help in the exchange of gases between blood and the lungs. During the breathing cycle, residual air is always in the lungs for sufficient time for O2 absorption and CO2 to be released. The respiratory pigment in the human body is called hemoglobin. Another fact to remember is that carbon dioxide dissolves in water. Now we're going to look at transportation in human beings. Blood is a fluid which blood is a colloid actually which consists of three parts. It consists of a fluid called plasma. It transports food, carbon dioxide and nitrogenous wastes and it has a lot of salts in it. Uh, first let's go to the go through the transportational cycle or the exchange of oxygen. In the lungs there's gaseous exchange that occurs through the alveoli. The oxygenated blood flows to the left atrium. This then flows to the left ventricle. Through the iota, oxygenated blood flows to the rest of the parts of the body. Through the veins, deoxygenated blood flows to the right atrium, which then flows to the right ventricle, which then goes back to the lungs. Heart is a muscular organ. Heart helps in converting deoxygenated blood to oxygenated blood by having a connection with lungs. Valves ensure that the blood doesn't flow backwards in the heart. The left side of the heart contains oxygenated blood. The difference between arteries and veins are important. Arteries, um, blood flows from the heart to other parts of the body. It contains oxygenated blood and it contains thick walls and it is elastic. Veins, blood flows from parts of the body to the heart. It contains deoxygenated blood and it has thinner walls. Iota, which is spelled A O 
RTA is the largest artery. The human heart is four-chambered. We are warm-blooded creatures, which promotes double circulation. Fishes and reptiles have only two-chambered heart. They have single circulation. Arteries divide into smaller vessels that are one cell thick. That means the walls of these are capillaries or the smaller vessels are just one cell thick. Platelet cells help in clotting and plugging leaks in arteries and veins. Lymph is a tissue fluid. The walls of the capillaries are very thick, thin. You can consider them as a semi-permeable membrane. So from this, colorless protein liquid starts leaking out. This carries digested and absorbed fats and it also drains excess fluid from cellular space. Now we're going to talk about the transportation in plants. Plants contain a large portion of dead cells. The main transportation units or the channels in plants are xylem and phloem. Xylem carries water and minerals and phloem carries food and photosynthesis products. Xylem is, works in the pressure difference and it helps in temperature regulation. Phloem carries amino acids to various parts of the plant. The last part of the chapter is excretion. In unicellular organisms, excretion occurs through a simple process of diffusion. In human beings, we have an excretory system. There are four main parts to this system. The first one is, the, is a pair of kidneys. The second one is the ureter. The third one is the urinary bladder and the fourth one is the urethra. The filtration process is done through capillaries. Each capillary cl cluster forms a cup-shaped tube. Each kidney has these filtration units. These filtration units are called nephrons. N-E-P-H-R-O-N-S. The urine formed then enters the ureter, which is a long tube which connects it to the urinary bladder. This is then excreted from the body. 